According to most skeptics and atheists, the Bible is a slavery-supporting, inconsistent, isolating, contradictory, non-accepting, non-forgiving, hateful, sexist, uneducated piece of work. But when we look at the specific context and explanations behind all these stances, we see that not only do people have a dangerously incorrect and misinterpreted view on the Word of God, but they are missing out on one of the most popular, most high-selling, greatest, most consistent, non-contradictory, brilliantly, perfectly loving, and forgiving tool guides on the entire planet. Today, we're going over the three biggest misconceptions about the Bible and Christianity. What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and my goal is to help you grow in your faith, ignite your transformation, and ultimately get you closer to God every single episode. If you're new here, first of all, welcome. I drop a new episode on the first and third Thursday of every single month. However, if you're watching this on the day it releases, you will know that it is either a Saturday or a Sunday. And that's because of the last two days I have been attending the Global Leadership Summit, which is the biggest leadership conference in the world. It was amazing. Definitely, definitely look into that. But I will be returning to the regular schedule for the next episode on Thursday, August 17th. So kind of diving in here, if you have been if you have ever struggled with what people have to say about the Bible, or maybe you yourself question some of what the heck is going on, then this is the episode for you because I'm going to be covering three of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity and the Bible. To make sure you don't miss an episode just like this one, make sure to follow and review wherever you listen because one, it helps a ton with getting the word of God everywhere. And two, because next episode we're talking about exactly that, our mission to spread the gospel to all the nations looking at something called the Great Commission. So you are not going to want to miss it. All right, so story time here. Me and one of my best friends have recently been really excited about playing the acoustic guitar. We both own one and have been nonstop practicing and playing and learning so that, you know, we're both half decent at playing songs. Well, recently, we came up with a new strategy to bring the Word of God to others. And that is to play and sing worship songs in public with the hopes that others would be curious what we are playing and then we get to talk about Jesus. It's a win-win. And I have to say, this strategy is killing it so far. Glory to God. But guitar just seems to unite people and really be a gentle way to introduce the gospel to people who might have heard it before or people who might not even know who Jesus is. Now, the typical night for the two of us would be to play on the beach near us for about an hour or two, and then when the beach closes at around 9 o'clock, we would go to the nearest sheets. Now, for those who might not know what a sheets is, uh, look it up or drive 10 minutes down the road, but we will park in the parking lot at sheets, and then we will just sit by the trunk of my car and play and sing worship songs right on the pavement. Now, what tends to happen is we will get like maybe three to ten people come up to us and ask us to either play something, which is typically something in the orange by Zach Bryan, or ask what worship song we're playing. 
And glory to God, several people have actually been able to hear the good news of Jesus. But there's one encounter that really kind of shocked me with how unfamiliar people are with what Christianity and the Bible are really about. So we were talking to two young guys, maybe in their 40s or 50s. And one of the two started talking about how he was torn on God. And after further digging, he revealed that he wanted to believe in God, but he believed that he had not worked hard enough to the point where God would be pleased with him. Now, I don't know if any of you know what the Passion Conference is, but it's a huge Christian young adult conference where there's worship and there's speakers and so forth. Well, last year, unfortunately, I didn't go. My girlfriend went. I'm extremely jealous to this day, but I didn't go. But they were extremely generous and made all of their talks public on YouTube. Well, one of my favorite pastors and host of the Becoming Something podcast, Jonathan Pakluda, amazing pastor, amazing speaker, talked about how Christianity is not about you. And to give practical advice, he taught us two questions to ask other people. With one of these being, if you were to die today and go to heaven and God himself asked you, why should I let you in? What would you say? And a lot of people when faced with this question will often answer, often answer with the beginning of I dot, dot, dot. I was good enough. I love Jesus. I did this and I did that. And the response that JP would give them is that if your answer began with the letter I, then part of you still believes that it's up to you. So when he presented that question to this gentleman at Sheets, his answer was, well, if I were to go to heaven, it would be, it would be because I tried my best. And it just really showed me how many people are misled to believing that Christianity is some position on the corporate ladder where maybe if you try hard enough, maybe if you grind hard enough and you you really hustle, then maybe you can earn God's approval, which I believe is a lie that is sending thousands of people to hell, which is why in this episode, I want to cover three of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity, starting off with what we just covered working to heaven, specifically that someone can be too far gone for God. Now, being too far gone, too far gone for God is almost kind of like a funny concept to me. Let's just take a moment here. Whether you believe in God or not, for sake of example, let's say you hypothetically do. You believe that the God of the universe, the God that puts the stars in the sky and lined up the earth perfectly from the sun so that if it were a fraction closer we would all burn up and if it was a fraction further we would all freeze to death the god who filled the planet with ocean waters and wildlife that has learned to hunt and survive the god who created humans who have learned to climb the highest mountains and build rockets to explore the vastness of space The God who created the trees that produce oxygen for humans and humans who produce carbon dioxide for the trees. Let's say you believe in that God. And let's say that God also created you. Every hair on your head, every freckle on your face, every working muscle in your body, 
an incredibly complex brain that you can command your body to do whatever it wants was all carefully constructed by this God. So you believe all those things, but for some reason, you think that after you mess up too many times or you make too many mistakes, that the supreme ruler and creator of the physical universe can't reach you anymore? Think about the story of the Apostle Paul. I actually covered this story on one of my earlier episodes where I go more into detail, but to kind of like sum it up, before Paul was Paul, his name was actually different. It was Saul. Now, Saul was almost as twisted as it gets. He was one of the deadliest persecutors of Christians. He was a man who despised the name of Jesus and everyone who taught about Jesus. And what he would do is he would stone Christians to death and drag them out of their houses and kill them. And he would put their bodies on stakes to show what would happen to other people if they acknowledged Jesus as their Lord. Now, for some odd reason, I'm willing to bet that those of you who might be seeking God are not going to measure up to the wickedness that Saul possessed. And if you know this story, then you are familiar with how Jesus spoke to Saul and blinded him until he reached the city of Damascus, where his sight was restored and his name changed to Paul. Paul then went on to preach the gospel to thousands upon thousands of people and ended up writing almost half of the New Testament, a vicious murderer to one of the most important figures of the Bible. But some of you think that you are too far gone for God. The truth is, listen to this. The truth is, you can never be too far for God. You just need to stop running from him. Psalm 139 verses 7 through 10, I think, depicts this perfectly. Where it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So the next misconception, misconception number two, is one I was first introduced to in my 11th grade English class. Now, My teacher, as smart as he was in his profession, was a big atheist who sort of looked at Christianity as more of the white man's oppressive movement rather than a loving relationship with Jesus. And I remember one time he was giving a lecture where slavery was part of the topic. And he said something along the lines of, in kind of like a smart alecky voice, he said, Well, fun fact, the Bible actually condones slavery. Uh, It's in Leviticus. Now, obviously, this got my attention because I knew that he obviously didn't know what he was talking about, but I didn't know why he didn't know what he was talking about. So I did my research. The verse my teacher was referring to was Leviticus chapter 25, verse 44, which reads, your male and female slaves are to come from the nations around you. From them, you may buy slaves. Now, at first glance, I would absolutely agree with my English teacher. 
with no scriptural context, with no historical context, just plucked straight out of the Bible, one could say this verse absolutely condones slavery. And here's the thing. That would be correct. This verse does condone slavery, but not in the way that you would think. See, in school, like I'm fresh out of high school, so especially for me, specifically in our history classes, the only slavery we would typically learn is the slavery of the 18th and 19th century where African Americans were bought and sold to work long hours in gruesome conditions under tyrannical masters. That is not the slavery that the Bible is referring to. I need you to hear me. That is not the slavery that the Bible is referring to. In fact, almost everything negative we hear of in our history classes is the opposite of what was true in the slavery of the Bible. So in order to kind of really show you that the Bible is not just an excuse to oppression, I want to go over three ways that biblical slavery is different than modern slavery. So, number one, slaves were not bought or sold into slavery during biblical times. Not only that, but it wasn't referred to as slavery, but rather indentured servitude. And what indentured servitude meant is that often individuals would willingly make the choice to become indentured servants if, for example, they were in bad economic circumstances. So if someone had a lot of debt to pay off, they would choose to become an indentured servant in order to pay that debt off. These servants would look at, quote, slavery as a way to survive and even improve their circumstances. Now, besides economic reasons, a lot of people would choose to go into slavery as an alternative to things such as criminal sentences, where they would pay society back for the crimes they committed. And lastly, they would become indentured servants in order to find community that would protect them while they were in conflict, whatever that may be. Number two, Biblical slaves were not treated as harshly as they were in history class slavery. The Bible actually provided guidelines to slavery where servants were to be treated fairly and equally and actually as humans and not just objects and whatever to just be thrown around and beaten. For example, the rejection of the idea of one having ownership of their servants the frequent adoption of servants as part of the family, and so forth. And number three, biblical slaves were not in slavery for life. A specific verse I want to focus on is Exodus 21, verses 2 through 6, which reads, If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. We just talked about how frequently individuals with a large debt would willingly become indentured servants to pay off that debt. Well, if they were not able to pay that debt, they were to be released after a maximum of six years and have the rest of their debt completely forgiven. Well, hmm, that sounds familiar. But real quick, something we need to remember about slavery is that vicious slavery did still exist in biblical times, but it's not the slavery of the Bible. And I believe that slavery in the Old Testament is a great picture of what Jesus did for us in the New Testament. I mean, think about it. We are all born into slavery, the slavery of sin. 
Romans 6.16 says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death. But when you recognize Jesus as your Lord, we are freed from that slavery and our debt is 100% forgiven, just like how Hebrew slaves would have their debts 100% forgiven. Now, slavery is a very real thing and it still hurts a lot of people to this day as the wickedness in the world continues to increase. As Christians recognize that we have been given the opportunity and mission to lead someone to freedom from their own slavery to sin through Jesus. And all right, misconception number three. So the last misconception I want to cover in this episode is that Christianity and science are like oil and water. They don't mix. Now, a lot of people, especially recently with COVID and vaccines, etc., think you should either be pro-God or pro-science and that there isn't really a good middle ground in the minds of a lot of people. But think about it. If God, a perfect non-physical being, wanted to create a physical universe out of nothing, God would have to create everything he needs to form things in an organized fashion, or for lack of better term, science. Now, I believe that it is God's creation of a physical universe that serves as the greatest proof that God and science are not at conflict with one another, but are rather intertwined with one another and complement one another. So let me give you some facts. If the axis of the earth was tilted slightly more or slightly less, humans go extinct. If the earth spins 10% faster or 10% slower, the entire earth floods and humans go extinct. If the distance of the earth to the sun is three-tenths of one percent closer, humans go extinct. There was a well-known atheist. His name is Sir Roger Penrose, a brilliant mathematician. And what he did is he calculated the likelihood of the circumstances where Earth and, matter of fact, the universe is designed so precisely as to humans not going extinct by accident. He concluded that the odds of this happening would be 10 billion to the 123rd power. To kind of put that image in your head, that is 10 billion with a one times a one with 123 zeros behind it. It is such a large, unimaginable number that if you took all the zeros and shrunk them down to about an inch and you laid them out, the zeros would wrap around the entire galaxy and continue. So according to Craig Groeschel, the pastor of Life Church, where some of this information is actually coming from, <clears throat> he says that it is more likely to win the lottery 10,000 times in a row and be struck by lightning Every single one of those times, it's more likely for that to happen than for the scientific design of the universe to have happened by accident, which is actually called the most compelling argument for the existence of God. 
God complements science by utilizing it to create everything we see around us. And science complements God by doing such an amazing job at displaying the beauty and craft of the most brilliant artists in the history of the universe. So what do a lot of people believe about Christianity? That it promotes oppression over others? That it doesn't align with science? That God is just the reward of a corporate ladder? Or is there more to God in the Bible? Maybe with the proper digging you can find that God is not the corporate ladder. He's the father that climbs down the ladder to find you. He isn't the master over oppression. He's the freedom of every captive of sin. He isn't at war with science, but rather he's the mastermind behind it. And maybe when we start recognizing misconceptions for what they are, misconceptions, we will begin to see all of those aspects of a perfect, loving God. But hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. My hope is that you learned at least one new thing today and that you can use it to ignite your faith and share it with other people. Next episode, we'll be talking about the Great Commission and what Jesus wanted from us when he tells us to spread the gospel to all the nations. So make sure you are here August 17th to catch that. I upload on the first and third Thursday of every month, but if you want to make sure you don't miss any updates, updates, make sure to follow my Instagram at Merlino Brandon. That's at M-E-R-L-I-N-O Brandon. Keep being awesome for God. Expose those misconceptions of your faith. And remember, while we are all imperfect, we are loved by a perfect God. Peace.